Welcome to Fire of Genius, a podcast dedicated to all things intellectual property presented by the Indiana University Maurer School of Law's IP Theory Journal. My name is Carly Hinton, and I am a 2L at Maurer. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Um, I'm Shrija Dutta, and I'm also um, a 2L at Maurer. Um, my name is Yimin Gu, and I am also a 2L at Maurer. So, on today's episode, we will be discussing broadly how traditional intellectual property protections are failing small businesses and allowing fast fashion companies to capitalize on this defect. So, as a whole, the fashion industry and designer brands continue to face huge risks from counterfeiting even if they fight back. In this episode, we'll delve into the counterfeit crisis in fashion from the causes and enforcement challenges to technology and legal tools brands are using to take counterfeiters to task. So let's start with the allure of knockoffs and the consumer appetite for fakes, which has been growing for years now. The motivation for this is basically the prestige of sporting designer logos at a fraction of the cost that luxury brands are. Social media has played a huge role in this. Influencers have also played a huge role in flaunting counterfeits as aspirational. For fast fashion companies, the profit margins are a huge incentive. Producing fake goods uh, illegally avoids all the branding and marketing costs real fashion companies invest in. Fashion brands argue that counterfeits erode the exclusivity and reputation of luxury goods, which is valid. But some believe that brands should rethink their business models of exclusivity is so contingent on restricting supply and competition. Nonetheless, the sale of counterfeits undeniably funds sizable criminal enterprises. I'm going to talk a little bit about the evolving technology of fakes. So advances in digital manufacturing are enabling more sophisticated counterfeits. 3D printing, which has grown a lot in the past decade, allows replicas of products to be easily pirated. In the future, I'm sure technologies like artificial intelligence could generate counterfeit designs. And online platforms like social media make it easier for shoppers to find and purchase fakes anonymously so people cannot even be held liable if someone decides to bring a lawsuit. So brands are responding with new anti-counterfeiting tech like microscopic serial tags woven into products. RFID tags help track goods through supply chains, so some brands embed their logos as holograms, visible only under certain light. But as security tech has evolved, counterfeiters have adapted. Yeah, actually, I read this article a while back talking about this Rep Ladies subreddit, and it's specifically dedicated to buying counterfeit luxury goods where generally women, even of the upper echelon, just gather here to acquire them. So the page before it was closed had over 200,000 members, which That's a lot. is a sizable <laughs> portion. Yeah. yeah. So just what can be tracked, the group spent more than $3 million on replicas, even in this short time where it was still up and operable. So it definitely is a growing industry, and demand has exploded, and allegedly the page owners were threatened with action from governmental entities, and legal charges could have been brought against them, but it seems like nothing really occurred since the page was indeed shut down. Was there a reason why like the demand exploded? I think there was, I remember reading an article about it maybe. Yeah, there was an article that talked about how wealthy women in like upper Manhattan, for example, would have 
Tupperware style parties mm-hmm. where a host would have a ton of these nearly identical to the original articles of clothing or the original purse from this luxury fashion house. They would just gather them together and essentially sell them like Tupperware as women have done <laughs> for decades, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and talk about the impact that this fa- like growing fast fashion industry has had on smaller entities and individual designers. So small entities obviously cannot afford to sue when fast fashion brands steal their ideas or, you know, their logos. So there's concern for a designer's reputation when they cannot control the quality and exclusivity of their items. Ideally, they would want to use copyright law as a way to fight these battles, but individual designers usually lack the power and resources to do that. It's obviously thousands of dollars in legal fees, and just usually these go on for years or decades. So an example of that is actually a Cat Coven versus Sheen, which was the case a few years ago, where the plaintiff was a small business that created the Cat Coven brand. I think this was in 2013. So they were the exclusive owner of all the trademark rights, and they obviously owned a trademark to their own logo. They used this logo on a piece of clothing without permission. So a vendor called Zotop was the vendor for this uh, particular article of clothing, and Sheen tried to use them as a scapegoat because they were hit with the lawsuit. And then the court did actually find that Zotop was not a required party in this case. So it didn't really work when they tried to use them as a scapegoat. But the court eventually found that all Sheen did was market the product in the end. But this seems kind of contrary to the foundation of copyright law because the ultimate goal um, is to protect the creator who lost the lawsuit in this case. So... It was an ongoing battle, but in the end, the smaller business lost the case. So it was it was probably an expensive process, and they didn't even win. Right, so a lot of time and... Resources? Resources, yeah. yes. Resources wasted. So I think that can be contrasted to one of, like, a very current case that's still ongoing, where Sheen was sued again. And the lawsuit is basically an escalation by three independent designers who have had their work stolen by Sheen, Mm -hmm. but they could not directly sue Sheen because the manufacturer was the entity that actually stole the designs. And it was essentially one of several in a chain of companies before the garment was ultimately sold by Sheen. And the lawsuit uses RICO instead of strictly IP Mm -hmm. law protections to claim that these ancillary companies are still effectively Sheen. And it's much like how like lower level mobsters are ultimately working for these big bosses. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's sort of the parallel that, in this case, they're trying to draw. And so essentially they're claiming that the big bosses at Sheen are ultimately liable for the crimes committed by these ancillary companies. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, these are just some of the ways that bigger companies with more branding more market power are using either to leverage or to bully the little guys or just to directly infringe. It seems obviously and willfully infringe, but it doesn't seem like there's much protection for smaller entities. Mm-hmm. There's also, I I did, I do remember reading this case, I think it was Fashion Nova, which is obviously a huge fast fashion company. They were basically 
they they told their vendor one of their vendors that they had to drop their rival company or they wouldn't have a contract with them anymore so it's just things like that that make you really wonder how much power they have and how little power the these individual vendors and designers have sure like if they can leverage their market share right. and power to like strong arm a smaller mm-hmm. entity into doing something they want right so what about ip laws like what ip laws can play in this play a role in this like come back when companies are combating the conflating so for example, fashion companies are heavily relied on the intellectual property law, especially the trademarks, to combat counterfeiters. The brands like reject they they will just trademarks for their logos, names, and even like distinctive designs. And this allows customer officials to seize imported counterfeited goods. So the lawsuits also you know seek damages from the infringers. The legal protection has. Proven, you know, to be insufficient to stem the tide of the fakes. So the trademark law only protects the brand identifiers, not the products themselves. But the and the copyright law is too weak for those clothing designs. Like the proposed, the legislations also, you know, to in, to strengthen the IP rights for fashion. Has stored that you know repeatedly, mm-hmm. so you know we need like more effective legal remedies in order to increase the risk of counterfeiters. Right. The enforcement is also very difficult, you know, especially for those online platforms. Like so, the education is also like kind of like necessary mm-hmm. in order to, you know, educating the consumers. So, why we not use patent? Protections. So I think in addition to educating consumers, which is really necessary, perhaps we can use design patents. Although it still seems unlikely, because fashion designs really have short life cycles, and the patents provide protection for fifteen years, which is really long when you're releasing new collections right. every season, and that would be really yeah. expensive to you know file these design patents for every piece every season like or do you just prioritize which ones you really want to protect and then um, file for those specific items and copying from fashion week shows is almost immediate and the process of obtaining a patent is a lot longer than that yeah so i think patentability standards are also challenging so you know non-obvious and different from prior art and it's really difficult when trying to scale that bar for clothing and accessories which seems to rotate and trends like now we're seeing a resurgence from fashions like 10 or 20 years ago and this happens repeatedly yeah i think the only real ip protection at least that would be meaningful in terms of patents would be technical innovations like fasteners or functional elements yeah that can meet these standards for utility patents not necessarily design patents except for in special cases i know of course there are some brands who who do enjoy the protection of a design patent but overall i think legal and and practical hurdles make design patents just extremely uncommon and yeah unpractical in the fashion business Mm -hmm. so i think one way to fix that would probably be like automation of brand protection Mm -hmm. so technology can find more ip infringement i think better than people can and 
This technology might be able to take out listings as soon as counterfeit st status is validated. And practitioners can maybe use this as a tool, especially when they're trying to file lawsuits, because AI probably does a better job at finding these listings or websites and can save time and resources. Right. And it's kind of ironic in some ways, because I know there's a big concern of AI stealing from designers yeah. and like infringing on people's, whether it's like written words right. or artistic ability, mm -hmm. but if it could help actually identify and stop infringers, yeah. it would be a nice benefit. Yeah, because it's like, even in the legal field, I feel like AI does have negatives, obviously, because it, you know, it's just like not original, a lot of people say, but it's also helped in certain ways, so right. maybe we could do that um, in this industry as well. And maybe they could do like master searches in like the online domain with website registrations, obviously, to check for IP infringement. And there could be like a coordinated effort with government entities to make sure that these are being dealt with before these products are even allowed to go on sale online. Yeah, that would be at least some safeguard. Where yeah. It doesn't seem like we have much of one right now. Yeah, another pathway that we can take is that we can work with the policymakers. So there are a lot of like coordinated efforts that exist in between the brands like policymakers and law enforcement. Uh, all these things are growing, but um, they still have a long way to go. So we also need kind of like more research and development funding so that they could like develop advanced products, authentication technologies and the supply chain tracking tools in order to combat the counterfeiting. So um, the government are also considering like the short um, laws with strict penalties for trafficking large volumes of fakes. So while the counterfeiting epi epidemic continues, such collaborative efforts provide some hope at least to the, the work we are working on to combating the counterfeiters. Sure, yeah. So I think in closing, turning the tide and deterring counterfeits in the fashion industry will require both aggressive legal action as well as new attitudes and new business models. Since it does seem like traditional IP protection, such as hiring these in-house lawyers to manually remove fakes one by one is really slow, and it's too expensive for many brands to consider implementing, especially those who are just starting out or have a small consumer base. And another sort of positive is that consumers seem to have a growing ethical awareness mm -hmm. and that could also help curtail the prevalence of fakes. But currently I think stakeholders also need to ramp up technology and policy efforts to protect the brands and the shoppers. Mm -hmm. To your point, actually, it seems like a lot of uh, people these days are boycotting Sheen just because of the sweatshops that they have in a lot of Asian countries as well. So it seems that people are coming to realize that it's not just ethically, they don't feel right about buying from these websites. And I think that's been growing. So that's a good sign. So we want to end out by saying that it's difficult to enter the fashion industry, but it's even harder to establish a brand name. And this is like, especially harder for smaller creators. So if we're not able to protect them, what the point of copyright law in this day and age is sort of just not it's not even there you know so yeah i think that's all we have today all right with that let's close out our episode
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Fire of Genius. You can follow us on Twitter at CIPR Mauer, I-P-T-H, or reach out to us on our website at iptheory.indiana.edu. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in again next week.